I want people that we work with to be able to access this information anytime they need on demand. So here we go with the Jesse Eckel story. I'm calling it Dream Big and Charge. I went from unemployed with no income to millionaire in one year, six months, and three weeks. And here's exactly how I did it. I used to be a wedding videographer, so I would go around and I would film people's weddings for a living. But when COVID happened and lockdowns happened, people stopped having weddings. People stopped booking me. People stopped calling. And the clients that I already had either decided to outright cancel their weddings or they pushed them out two to three years in the future. And as a dad of five kids and with a wife who's a stay-at-home mom, I went from expecting to make $100,000 that year to overnight zero. I had rent to pay, I had food to buy, I had car payments, and I had ongoing business expenses. And slowly over the next couple weeks and months, I fell into like a really deep depression where I've talked about this before. I just started eating these waffles with chocolate chips in them all the time and just sitting around playing Minecraft and I just didn't know what to do. My bank account was slowly getting smaller and smaller and smaller. I was getting just like terrified because I'm like, I I don't know what I'm going to do. It it had taken me five years to build that business. I poured my life into it. I poured everything I had into it and then it was just gone overnight. And now I didn't know what to do. And eventually I just hit rock bottom and my wife, she just, she snapped at me and she's like, what are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your time? Like you are better than this. She encouraged me to use this as an opportunity to reinvent myself, to face a bigger challenge than I've ever faced before, to go out and build something new. And as soon as she said it, I knew she was right. There's there nothing healthy about what I was doing. There's nothing good that was going to come out of me feeling sorry for myself and sitting on the couch playing video games. I had to figure out a solution as hard and as difficult as and as insane as the situation I was in. I needed to do something and I needed to do it quick. Not knowing really where to start, I started using this app that allowed me to borrow uh, audiobooks from the local library and started learning about successful people and just how they became successful in the first place. I had read somewhere that the average CEO reads like 60 books a year. So I figured, you know, uh, that must be important to being successful. So, you know, that was kind of my idea about like starting to read books and different things like that. One of the first books I read was a book recommended to me by a friend called The 10X Rule. And in the book, the author talked about how you needed to come up with a dream so big that it made you just leap out of bed every morning. That you just threw off the covers, jumped out of bed and said, you know, I'm ready to conquer today because I have this insane goal. I have have this insane dream and it is just motivating me to conquer every challenge that's in my way. And me coming out of a season where I was depressed and really feeling unmotivated, that that really spoke to me where I was like, you know what, I need something like that. I I need like a goal, a big goal that that, that gets me motivated because I'm in a funk. So I started coming up with goals. My first goal was like $500,000. I want to make $500,000. But then I started thinking about it and I was like, you know what, $500,000 really isn't that much. That uh, like I, I could run out of that pretty quick. So then I, then I thought like a million dollars, million dollars, and then I'll be set for life. And, and I started thinking about that too. And I was like, you know, actually, it's pretty easy to run out of a million dollars. And so it kept getting bigger and bigger to where eventually I was like fifty million dollars. I want to make fifty million dollars by the time I'm thirty-five. If I had fifty million dollars, I would literally never run out of money ever. Like I could spend money to buy a house and just throw a portion of that into like just the stock market or something. And I could live off the passive income from the interest I gained. And so 50 million became my goal. I wanted to make $50 million by the time I was 35. And I remember telling a friend soon after this, we were sitting in line to watch a movie. And I remember telling them that I had this crazy goal to hit $50 million by the time I was 35. And I remember them laughing at me 
after I told them that and just thinking it was the most ridiculous thing that they'd ever heard. And honestly, I, I didn't blame them. I, here I was, this unemployed dad of five, saying that I wanted to make $50 million by the time I was 35. It even sounded absurd to me. But despite that, I just kept moving forward. And, and after those first few books, I, I just kept reading more and more books. I, I read books on marketing. I read books on success, entrepreneurship, psychology, mindset, uh, and really, literally everything in between. I was just trying to soak up as much knowledge as physically possible to help me, you know, get, hit my goals. I, I didn't really know what else to do, but I knew, like, you know, when I was sitting there kind of trying to figure out a plan, I could at least, like, listen to these books and maybe that sparks some creative creative ideas or something. And during all this, I came up with this idea of video marketing. I, I you know, had the skill set of, of making videos. And I'd been learning so much about marketing that I thought, like, what if I combine the two? I, I bet most people aren't good at both. And I, I bet I could make videos that are not only great, beautiful videos, but they're also great marketing tools. Listen, we've got an incredible deal for you. But as cool as that idea sounded, what ended up happening is, you know, nobody was interested in hiring me. And, you know, I would pitch this idea and be like, hey, video marketing. And they're like, hey, I don't need it. And <laughs> I just, I, I tried, I tried so hard to make this happen, but nobody actually wanted to hire me. In fact, despite literally months of me working, you know, 12 to 17 hour days, I never ended up making a single dime. And things ended up getting progressively worse and worse as my bank account kept getting lower and lower. And I had to end up applying for unemployment because I just, I, I needed to feed my family and I needed to pay rent. And I, I didn't really know what else to do. And it was around this time I ended up reading this book by Gary Vee called Crushing It. And it was all about how social media is the new resume. And that if you wanted to have a successful business, you needed to first build out this personal brand that would allow you to succeed no matter where you went, no matter what businesses you started. During this book, he kept mentioning this app called TikTok and saying, you know, hey, you got to get on TikTok. I, I'm, I'm telling you now, TikTok's going to be the future. Not long after that, I ended up getting a call from this friend named Caleb. And he was telling me about how he started posting on TikTok and he had blown up, absolutely blown up on the app and gotten to over 5,000 followers. And I remember talking to Caleb and being like, oh my gosh, Caleb, you're, you're famous, bro. Like you got you, you to you capitalize on this. Like what, what are you doing? Are, are you going to keep going? He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep going. And I was like, you should do that. And he's like, you, you know what you should do? And I was like, what? And he's like, you, you should start posting too. Like, you're really smart. You're learning all this stuff in these books. You should start posting on TikTok, teaching people what you're learning. It's like, that's a that's a really great idea, Caleb. At first, Gary Vee's talking about TikTok, and now my friend Caleb's talking about TikTok. So I figured there must really be something to this TikTok thing. And so I started posting videos that same day about all the different things that I was learning. And it was wild because people actually liked the videos I was making. And soon I had 500 followers, and then I had 1,000 followers. And then I had 5,000 followers like Caleb. And then I went to 10,000. And during this whole time, it just felt surreal. The, the stuff that I was reading in these books was actually working. The stuff that Gary Vee had told me in his Crushing It book, I was doing it. And it, it was actually working. And it was around August that I ended up hitting 40,000 followers. And despite how like ecstatic I was that I had made it that far... I was also still not making any income. And my bank account was at this point pretty much on its last leg. So I sat down and I, and I tried to think of a, a thing that I could do that would both help me grow on TikTok and would help me actually pull in some income. So I came up with this idea where I do this epic challenge and I try to go from $1 all the way to a million dollars. There was this other TikTok series where, where this girl had like a bobby pin and she was trying to trade up to a house. And I was like, well, I'll do kind of the same thing, but like with making money, 
because I really need to make money and it'll act as like, you know, good content for TikTok. I called it the one to one million project. And in retrospect, I probably should have called it like the zero income two million project because a lot of people really were really big sticklers about the one dollar thing because they were like, well, you have a cell phone that costs more than a dollar. You have a car, that costs more than a dollar. You have a computer, you have internet access, that costs more than a dollar. But the whole idea was that like, I wanted to start in a, in a place that if I ended up succeeding, everyone would be able to look at it and say, hey, if he could do it, anyone could do it. And although it's true, like not everyone has a cell phone or not everyone has a car to drive around, I would say most people in the US probably have access to most of those things. And most people don't have five kids that got to support and all these business expenses that I ended up having. So I think it kind of averages out and still, you know, kind of makes sense. Anyway, so I make this big video and I, and I announce it to all my 40,000 followers and say, Hey, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm going to try to make a million dollars in a year. They love the idea. They're all commenting. They're like, Oh my gosh, we're so excited to see what you do. And I, and I realized during this moment that well, I actually didn't know what I was going to do. I actually had no plan. In fact, I just spent the last couple months just trying to make any money at all, and I failed at even doing that. But with all these people watching and the fact that I just announced it, I knew I had to do something. And at the time, I was reading this book all about cold calling, and so I figured, well, that's as good as any way to try to get some clients. And I decided I was going to cold call 50 people every single day, and surely out of 50 people, one person would end up hiring me. And the goal I kind of set for myself that first week was I wanted to try to make $1,000 my very first week on this challenge. And after six days of cold calling people all day long, I ended up getting literally zero clients. Nobody wanted to work with me. I was trying to pitch them on marketing services or photography or literally any. I'd massage their dog if they would pay me to do it. But nobody wanted to hire me for anything. And by day six, I, I can't really explain it, but I just kind of broke. I, I'd spent the last couple of months trying to make no income. I was failing. I just announced to 40,000 people I was doing this challenge. I was failing, and I, I just kind of got to this point where I was like, I'm literally willing to do anything to hit this thousand dollar goal. So I started just really thinking like, what can I do? Like, what can I do that I wasn't willing to do before? And I remembered that my friend Lucas had mentioned like offhand that he thought it would be like a cool, crazy thing. Like what if he had his own gifts to send his clients? Like a gift like is in like an animated picture. He's like, I always send like, you know, these other gifts, but what if it was me in the gift? And I was like waving at my client and we were laughing about it. It's like more of like a, like, Oh, that'd be funny. Uh, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to, call up Lucas and try to sell him on some gifts. And I ended up calling up Lucas and, and I pitched him on this idea. I said, Lucas, what if, what if we did this, this photo shoot where I would, I would take pictures of you and then I'll, I'll turn them into gifts and I'll do it all for just a hundred bucks. And I remember stopping talking and, and Lucas is on the other end of the line and, and he's kind of like sitting there and he's like, yeah. And, and then he just ends up saying, yeah, sure. and I was like over the moon. I was like, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I, I, I literally just, made some money. I, I literally just brought in some income, but I quickly got over the excitement of bringing in a hundred dollars, realizing that I still had another $900 to actually hit my goal. And I, I didn't really know what to do to hit that other 900. I, I'd been there thinking, and the only idea I could come up with was to call Lucas to see if I could make some gifts. So I decided my next best course of action was to start cold calling again and just hope that, you know, today was my lucky day when suddenly my phone started ringing. And it was actually another person cold calling me. And this is a normal thing. Like if you own a business, you'll end up getting a ton of cold calls where all these other businesses like Yelp or freaking Yelp, it's always Yelp. I don't know why it's always Yelp. They'll end up calling you all the time and being like, hey, do you want to buy this? Or hey, like you want some SEO help? And I got so annoyed by this when I had my business that I actually bought this app that like blocked them all and like sent them to this crazy voicemail. But I ended up, you know, 
I was running out of money, so I had to cancel that subscription, and I didn't have that app anymore, so now I was getting cold calls again. So this person cold calls me, this company called ClearBank, and they're trying to pitch me on this like e-commerce thing. And I remember thinking, like, I'm just going to hang up with this person because I literally have no time to waste. And then suddenly this wild idea popped in my head where I was like, wait a minute. In my line of thinking, I decided, you know what, what if I flipped the script and tried to pitch this guy on my vision, my goal, and my dream? It sounded ridiculous. It sounded like the stupidest idea ever, but I was literally out of smart ideas, so all I had was the stupidest idea ever. And so I figured he wouldn't hang up on me since he was the one cold calling me. And so I did. I flipped the script and I was like, yo, like here's my idea. I want to make a million dollars in a year. This is my first week. I'm trying to hit a thousand dollars. Will you give me everything I need to hit my thousand dollar goal uh, right now on the phone? And this guy, like he didn't even know how to react. I don't think that anyone's ever asked him for money. And he was just like, he kind of sat there and he kind of stuttering for a second. And he's like, uh, yeah. And I was just mind blown that that had worked, that I had asked a cold caller on the phone to give me money. And they said, yes. And from here, I grew the confidence that I actually stood somewhat of a chance of actually hitting this million dollar goal in a year. I figured if I could take a cold caller to get them to send me money, I pretty much could do anything at this point. And at this point, I also decided to like screw looking cool or trying to look like a legit business person or entrepreneur. I was just going to hit my goals however the heck I could. So what I started doing is I just started selling literally everything that wasn't nailed down to the floor around my house. I sold my PS4. I sold a bunch of games. I'd sell like old clothes. I found some old books in my garage. I'd sell those. I also started literally trying every single idea that somebody suggested to me in the comments. If somebody's like, you should try affiliate marketing. I was like, okay, I'm going to try affiliate marketing and I'd go out and try it. Somebody's like, you should try Facebook ads. I'm like, yes, I'm going to do that. And I, I tried, you know, uh, Google ads, I tried Pinterest ads. I tried just literally anything anyone would recommend. And keep in mind, I, I literally had no idea how to do any of these things. I, I'd never done any of these things. I just watched a, like a YouTube tutorial. I had sometimes listen to a podcast and I'd be like, all right, I'm going to go try this. And then I'd approach a business and be like, hey, I will run some Pinterest ads for you for free. All you got to do is pay for the ad spend. And weirdly enough, like, they didn't tell me to just go shove off and slap me in the face. Instead, they were like, yeah, let's give this a try. And free kind of became a pretty solid strategy for me. Like, early days, this is pretty much how I got anything done. Is I'd approach a business be like, yo, I'll do this for free. And they almost always would be like, yes, we would love for you to do that for free. And, you know, I, that's how I learned a lot of these things was and, and got to try a lot of these things was by approaching businesses to do it initially for free. And while I figured out I wasn't that great at Facebook ads and I wasn't that great at Pinterest ads, by some miracle, I actually ended up being somewhat decent at Google ads to the extent that the, the first client that had hired me ended up having to hire an additional uh, person for their team to handle all the extra workload that these Google ads were bringing in. And so it was a pretty easy pitch to say, hey, like, will you start actually paying me for this now? They were really excited to start paying me for this and to continue the service. And Google ads became one of my first sources of, you know, legitimate income in this journey. My second big win ended up coming from this postal mail strategy that I, I kind of made up and I kind of read about in this book where we'd send out these postcards to like uh, my clients, dream, you know, 100 clients. They were handwritten. They looked super cool. Sometimes they had like stickers on them. And the whole idea was that like those would really stand out versus like email. And it ended up being a success and I ended up getting two clients who were paying me monthly income to do this service. And around this point, I crossed the $10,000 mark 
in my journey, which just felt amazing. But I knew I had to keep hustling if I wanted to hit my million dollar goal. My third idea ended up coming out of a conversation me and one of my best friends, Lucas, had about all these restaurants that were struggling during COVID and how there must be some sort of opportunity to help these restaurants. And if we could figure it out, we're sure we could create a really successful business. So we approached a restaurant offering to build them a brand new website and take all these photos and do these videos. And in exchange, they would give us an inside scoop on how restaurants work, you know, where the problem areas are. And hopefully in the process, we could find a, a viable business idea. And so we ended up making them a website. They ended up loving it. We got these, these photos for them. They ended up loving it. And they told us a little bit about their business. And during all this, we learned that they were paying this guy for marketing. And although they'd been paying him for multiple years on end, he wasn't doing that good of a job at marketing. At least we felt like we could radically improve on what he was doing and do a much better job. So we came up with this marketing plan and pitched that restaurant on becoming our first client. And weirdly enough, they didn't think it was the worst idea ever. And they ended up saying yes. And from there, I just kept going with different new side hustle experiments. And I would just try new ideas, rapid fire test them. And you know, if they didn't work, I would just move on to the next idea. And if they did work, I would just double down on it. And with all of these different ideas and different things I was making money at, my income just kept growing and growing and growing. To where just three months into my journey, I had already made $36,000. And even though that felt insane, I knew I had to make a lot more money than that if I wanted even a chance at hitting my million dollar goal. And it was around this time I got recommended a book called 12 Months to a Million, which obviously the title, you know, piqued my interest. And it was all about how you could build an e-commerce brand in 12 months and turn it into a million dollar business. And so I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I'm looking for. This is the answer to all my problems. And by the end of the book, I was convinced that the only way forward for me was to build a million dollar e-commerce empire. And I decided to make as my first product a planner. I've become obsessed with productivity on my journey and dreamed about designing the perfect planner. The only problem at this point was I had literally no idea how I would even go about hiring somebody to actually go design a planner. I, I didn't know, like, it was there a Fiverr, you go to Fiverr and hire someone to design a planner, or like, is there like a site where you go to have someone design a planner? I looked around a little bit, but I, I couldn't really find somebody who like specialized in designing planners. So I decided, you know what, like, screw it, I'm gonna make this planner on my own. And I got on Canva, and I literally spent like probably a week, uh, like just massively long days, like 10 hour, 12 hour days for an entire week straight. And I would just like take literally every single line. Uh, I put in every little thing of text. I was using like all these rulers and tools to like make everything perfect and straight. And I built a planner from scratch. I then went on Alibaba, found a supplier, sent them over my designs, and ordered my first sample. And I'm making this kind of sound all really, really easy, but it was actually insanely hard. I had never done this before. I'd never done anything like this before. I was just like literally making this up as I went and just kind of guessing what to do next. Hi, my friend. We can keep this will still be blank and add the blank pages to here. After a few weeks, my sample ended up arriving. I got it. It was the craziest thing to hold in my hand, something that I physically designed on Canva. And because I was kind of on a timer trying to make a million dollars in a year, I didn't really even have time to stop and think if like any of this was a good idea or what I was even doing. I just, as soon as I got my sample, I was like, oh, this is cool. 
I told him I wanted to place an order and wired over $5,000 to China, hoping that it kind of just would all work out. And there's actually a lot more to this story. This is like a big part of my journey. I've made an entire video about it. If you want to go check it out and go into more details on, on this whole part. Long story short, it ended up taking months for these planners to actually arrive. I ended up doing a pre-order and I was able to make enough to cover the cost of like actually ordering the planners and a little bit of profit on top. But it, it wasn't even enough to like, you know, really justify the amount of work that I put into it. It definitely wasn't enough to make a dent in my journey to making a million dollars. So now I was stuck here waiting for these planners to arrive. I had been doing side hustles on the side and, and gotten to around $80,000. But with just six months left in the challenge, I knew that all the current things that I was doing, I had no shot of hitting my million dollar goal. And I had to radically switch strategies if I weren't even a chance of hitting that million dollars. It was also around this time that I ended up moving across the country. I moved from the West Coast all the way to the East Coast. And during that long drive across country, I listened to quite a few audiobooks. And two of the books I listened to were Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and Richest Man in Babylon. And both of those books ended up having a massive impact on me and completely changing the way I thought about building wealth and about you know bringing in income and, and I thought about my journey. I was convinced that the path forward wasn't doing side hustles. It wasn't doing all these side businesses. It was taking all the capital that I'd made so far investing it and putting it to work for me. And so I came up with this vision. I came up with this thing I called like the four, I don't know what to call that. I'm sure it had a cool name, but what was called the four strategies. And the first strategy was the, uh, I didn't want to give up my planners because it like taking so much time. So it's like, you know, strategy number one, maybe I could turn my planners into a million dollar brand still by some miracle. Strategy number two, I'm going to invest in real estate because everyone, all the rich guys are like, real estate, real estate. I made millions on real estate. And so it just kind of seemed like maybe I should look a little bit into real estate. Strategy number three was I was going to trade options and puts and, and try traditional finance out. And strategy number four was I was going to invest in crypto. And crypto investing ended up being the first thing I decided I was going to tackle. I'd already done some previous crypto investing back in 2017. I'd made a lot of money and then I'd lost a lot of money. But I felt like I had learned a lot of lessons along the way. And I had read a lot of different newsletters and articles and I watched so many thousands of hours of videos about cryptocurrency that I felt like I really had a leg up when it came to investing in cryptocurrency versus the other three strategies. So I started off my crypto investing strategy with just like really easy things. I was investing on Coinbase and I was using this app called Stoic. It was all pretty basic, but I was making a pretty decent amount of money to where pretty quickly I was able to cross the $100,000 mark. After I'd gotten kind of comfortable with uh, cryptocurrency, the second strategy I decided to explore was land flipping. It was like my way of doing real estate investing because I was like kind of nervous about buying an entire house and I didn't have the money to buy an entire house. So I was like, well, I'll buy land and I'll flip it. And I read two books on it. I had like, I bought a course on it and uh, uh, watched this course on, on how to land flip. And they were promising that I could make millions of dollars doing this. So I was like, okay, if there's some big, big people online on the internet, I could definitely make millions of dollars doing this. I ended up doing this strategy that I learned about where you take these mailers and you just mail them out. Uh, you mail them out to people that have property off market. Um, and the kind of the goal is, you know, maybe you'll mail a hundred and out of the hundred, like three people will be like, Hey, you can buy my property for like some really weird, obscure reason. Like I, I don't know, but for whatever reason, they'll sell you your property because it's just the right time or whatever. So I did this. I, I bought this program called REI conversion. I was like sending out these automated mailers every single day. And I was just hoping that somebody would mail me back and say, Hey, I'm going to sell you my property 
for way lower than market value. And eventually, I actually did get some letters back. I got quite a few letters back, and people were, you know, some people were really mad at me and wrote some really unkind things on those letters. But other people were willing to sell me their land, and I ended up kind of doing research on each, you know, little parcel, and I found one that looked like the ideal piece of land to buy. I signed it, sent it back. We did the whole little deal, and I ended up acquiring my first piece of land to flip. Anyway. This is what it looks like, and it's way cooler than I thought it was. I own this. You see this leaf? I own this leaf. Daddy, why are you that's exactly the question I was just asking myself. And so after that, obviously, I wanted to list the land for sale. So I started posting it everywhere. I like paid for some spots to post this land. And weirdly, nobody wanted to buy it. So I, it, that was kind of a bummer because, you know, I was hoping like I just list it and like it'd sell within the first week, but like a week went by and then two weeks went by and three weeks went by. And for some reason, nobody wanted to buy this piece of land. So that kind of sucked. So while I was waiting for this land to sell, I tried like doing options and puts and this whole little like strategy. I wasn't very good at it. So I kind of gave that up pretty quick. And also around this time, I ended up getting finally my shipment of planners. Uh, it was a ridiculous map box. It's way more than I thought it was going to be. It ended up taking like over my entire bedroom was like just planners for a little season there. I ended up packing all the orders, shipping them out from the pre-orders. I was kind of hoping that that'd be the moment that it sparked life. Like I had the planners, people know I have the planners and suddenly people start buying them out of nowhere. I, I didn't know where I expected them to buy from. I just, I expected a miracle at this point and the miracle never came. There was no miracle that happened when my products ended up showing up. It was more like I made a couple hundred bucks and that was that. And really the only thing during this whole season that was really working for me was cryptocurrency. And it wasn't just working. Like it was dominating. I've been able to, investing in crypto, go from $100,000 to over $130,000. It felt like literally every other day I had some crypto like doubling in value or tripling in value. It's just, it's just raining money all over the place. At this point, I had less than four months to go. I knew I had to make big moves if I wanted to hit that million dollar goal. And so it's sort of a mix of like, you know, all this excitement for making a bunch of money from crypto and a mix of like really trying to hit my deadline. I ended up doing something that in retrospect ended up being really, really, really dumb. I took out massive leverage against my crypto. If you don't know what leverage is, it means I took out a massive loan against my crypto, which ends up being a good thing if the prices keep going up. But if like the prices were to fall, it ends up being a really not so good thing for me. But at the time, it seemed like a smart idea. I was taking a thousand dollars and turning it into two thousand, but I knew I needed to be taking you know ten thousand and turning it into twenty if I wanted even a chance of hitting that million dollar goal. And I wasn't stupid. I, I knew it was really really risky. I just knew like you know in four months if I want to make nine hundred thousand dollars, I kind of had to do something somewhat risky you know to get there. So I did it, and I kid you not, literally. The very next day, the day after, I am like, boom, leverage all my crypto. Massive move. The very next day, the entire crypto market just absolutely plummets. And when I say plummets, I'm not talking about, like, it did a little dip. I'm talking about, like, earth-shattering, plummeting, like, just the biggest red candle I've ever seen in my life. And those were just some depressing weeks for me. I, I literally couldn't have timed that situation any worse. I, it was just like the biggest 
slap in the face I'd ever experienced in my entire life. And I ended up losing tens of thousands of dollars, to where at one point, my $130,000 dropped below $100,000. And while I kind of wanted to like take a moment to like catch my breath because I felt like I'd just gotten the wind knocked out of me, I really had no time to even stop because like the, the clock was ticking, I just lost a bunch of money, and I had to hit my million dollar goal, so I just needed to come up with something else, I guess. So I tried to focus back on Google Ads, land flipping, and to heavily focus on YouTube. For this point in my journey, YouTube was more of an afterthought. I would sometimes post a video once a week, sometimes it was once every two weeks, sometimes it was once a month, and despite a year of kind of grinding on YouTube and promoting it on my TikTok, I would only have been able to get to around 4,000 followers on, on YouTube. But during that entire process, I ended up falling in love with YouTube. Like, I ended up wanting to, like, more than anything, become a YouTube creator. I knew if I could grow my YouTube big enough, it could not only become a great source of, like, income, but also it would open up a world of opportunities. So I became razor-focused on YouTube. I started listening to all these podcasts. I started watching all these videos about how other creators have grown their channels. I started, like, playing around with thumbnail variations and, and learning about how to create the perfect thumbnail. And I think from the outside looking in, I had a lot of entrepreneur friends who had thought I had just like gone crazy. I only had a couple months left to hit my million dollar goal, and I was investing about half my time into growing my YouTube channel. But I kept thinking about Gary Vee's book, about building a personal brand, and I just knew that YouTube was the path forward for me, that the YouTube in the future, if I could build it up, would become one of the greatest assets I owned. And during this time, I ended up getting somebody who wanted to buy my land, and I ended up accepting the offer and selling it to him for double what I bought it for. And a lot of people saw this and were like, Jesse, like, obviously, you need to go all in on land flipping. And other people were saying, like, Jesse, you're killing it at Google Ads. You need to go all in on Google Ads. But for whatever reason, in my gut, I knew that, like, I didn't like either of those things. Like, neither, neither of those things, like, inspired me or, like, made me pumped up. But YouTube, that got me pumped up. Crypto, that got me pumped up. So I sat down with my wife and I said, hey, babe, like, I know we're not bringing in any income from YouTube. I know that it just kind of seems dumb, but I want to go all in on YouTube. I want to give this everything I have. And she totally supported me. And I ended up getting rid of all my Google Ads clients, but one, and I stopped land flipping and I just went all in on YouTube and crypto investing. And that's what I did all the way until my year was up. And although I had made some pretty insane gains on my crypto investments, I hadn't gotten anywhere close to my million dollar goal. I had only made it to $147,343. On one hand, I was really bummed about this. I had put in a lot of effort. I fought really hard. I had made some crazy moves and taken some heavy hits trying to hit that million dollar goal only to fail and only make it $147,000. But on the other hand, I also realized how insanely far I had made it. My original mission and goal was just to be able to provide for my family. It was just to be able to pay my rent, pay my car payments. And not only had I done that, but I had made more money than I'd ever made in my entire life. But even so, I really wanted to complete this challenge. I knew I could do it, and I wanted to prove I could do it. I wanted to prove that I was on the right track. I did not want to stop just because my one-year mark was up. So I decided I was going to continue on my journey, and I was going to still try to hit that million-dollar goal, no matter how long it took me. I didn't care if it took me two years, three years, five years. I was going to be a millionaire. I was going to prove that I could do this. And the most awesome part of all this is now that I didn't have this timer constantly looming in the distance, I was able to really slow down, focus, and make sure I did this next part right. So I started focusing on nothing else but YouTube and my crypto investing strategy. And for crypto investing, I started focusing on crypto products that were really, really small, but that had a lot of potential for growth. I tried crazy ideas like StrongBlock and Olympus Dow, and I ended up making a lot of money with both of those. 
And they also tried crazy ideas like Time Wonderland and Tai Chi Down. I ended up losing a lot of money with those. And even though I wasn't winning with every project, I was consistently profitable and making way more money than I was losing. And just like everything else on my journey, I started reading books about investing. I started studying strategies. I started testing and experimenting and trying new ideas. And I had a few key concepts that really helped me succeed when it came to investing. One of the big paradigm shifts for me was learning that investing is sort of like a competition. It's sort of like a sport. Every time I lose money, somebody else made money. And every time I make money, somebody else lost money. So in my mind, that meant if I could improve my strategies and my knowledge, I could improve my odds of winning more often, and I could decrease my risk. I was thinking it was just like a, a big game of chess or something. Like, I have my opponent across from me, I'm playing my strategy, and the better I get at chess, the more money I make. I had also learned that with things like venture capital, 9 out of 10 investments were actually failures. They actually lost money on the majority of investments they made. But... Out of the one or two that they had succeed along the way, they ended up making enough to cover all the losses they had sustained, plus a massive profit. And soon, all my focus and hard work on building my YouTube channel and growing my investing skills ended up paying off. To where by November, I had crossed $181,000. By December, I had crossed $240,000. And by January, I had crossed $440,000. With the majority of that coming from my crypto investments, I was making a lot of money from my YouTube channel. One month, I made $10,000. Another month, I made $17,000 from my YouTube channel. About around now, I make around $3,000 from my YouTube channel each month. So I was making a decent amount from my YouTube channel as well. But the majority of my income was coming from my crypto investing. Unfortunately, though, around December and January, the crypto market started to tank again. And a lot of investments weren't doing very good. But despite that, I was still actually making not only a little bit of money, but a ridiculous amount of money. And all of that really just came from a handful of investments, with the biggest one by far being Titana. Which with Titano, I had only invested $3,500 into it, but it had grown so massive to where at one point it was worth over $244 thousand dollars. I had also had another project called Terra Luna where I'd invested $760 into it and that had grown to over $130,000. And both of these wins were huge indicators to me that these strategies I was following weren't just theories, but they actually worked in practice. And things from here just ended up kind of snowballing out of control. I ended up finally leveraging some of the influence I built on YouTube and I started this business helping crypto projects that ended up being a huge success, a new source of income, and there ended up being such a heavy workload for it that I ended up having to hire multiple team members to help me manage it. I had multiple investments just absolutely skyrocket out of nowhere, to where by early March, I made $937,423. And every time I thought that these investments would slow down or stop growing, they just didn't. They just they kept growing up. To where today, I currently have $1,692,041. Not only crossing my million dollar goal, but absolutely exploding past it. And in total, it took me just one year, six months, and three weeks to go from unemployed with no income to millionaire. From here, I'm just going to keep going. My next goal is $5 million, and then after that, $10 million, And maybe one day, I'll cross that billion-dollar mark. How insane would that be? Zero income to billionaire, and you can watch the entire journey. And on a last note, a big part of my journey was I wanted to inspire other people to show them what they could do when they picked a crazy, insane goal. They put in a crazy amount of work. They really challenged and pushed themselves, and they tried to tackle and accomplish that goal. For me, the best part wasn't making a million dollars, and it wasn't even you know building this massive audience on YouTube. The best part was challenging myself and seeing really what I was made of. 
having this bold, crazy vision and seeing that I was actually capable of accomplishing it was the coolest part of this entire journey. Welcome to the MLMSuccess.com podcast, the show designed to return the network marketing industry to its roots of personal growth, leadership development, and wisdom of the ages success principles. We share with you real success stories from real people that we hope will inspire and encourage you personally and help you progress forward in your business and your life. We believe if you build people, people will build the business. Now here is your host who has been called the number one mind in network marketing, the MLM Profit, Network Marketing Virtual Mentor, and a host of other names that we will not mention because this is a family show. Frankly, he's just a small-town guy that figured out that the real product in network marketing is people. Dale Calvert. Jesse Echo is a 27 percenter, an average person with above-average desire who's willing to let himself dream big and charge. Dream big and charge. That's the name of this session. What can we really learn from Jesse's story and the story of so many other people just like him? And that's really going to be kind of the topic for the remainder of this week's podcast and probably next week as well. I know nobody on the planet that has spent more time trying to figure out the psychology behind the human motivations and progressions in an entrepreneur's journey more than I have. And, and I'm not saying that to boast or any, for any kind of recognition at all. The truth is it's it's really kind of dysfunctional. Uh, nobody should have spent the time, energy, and thought to this topic uh, that I have over the last 40 years and really before that. And it, and it, it may give, be insightful, but it's probably not real healthy. And granted, 90% of the ongoing study time that I've devoted has really been within the network marketing business niche, which has been beyond valuable, beyond valuable because they let Anybody with a business card who wants to call themselves an entrepreneur can join a network marketing organization. So it's been quite a study from that perspective. And in my opinion, building a network marketing, a producing, growing network marketing team is the most difficult but the most rewarding entrepreneurial niche in the world. And I, I believe that. Most successful entrepreneurs in other niches cannot make it in MLM. Long term, you know, they might have an initial following and boom, but what happens after that? Because they don't understand that they aren't the issue. They never get, they never have the leadership development paradigm shift. And they don't have the patience, the discipline, or the energy to work with or in their mind depend upon, uh, so many other people. But like the old song says, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. I know if you can make it in the network marketing business model, especially over the past decade or so, then you can make it in any entrepreneurial business niche in the world. And I just, I know that it's just the truth. And if, if you're a regular listener of this podcast or a member of our programming your mind for success community, you've also heard me say many times, all self-made successful people have basically what? The same thought process. All self-made successful people have basically the same thought process. They are all, all of them 
action takers, and they all fall into six or seven categories of entrepreneurs that I'm going to be sharing with you here in just a second. Uh, you know, that was a real paradigm shift for me early in my career when I started to understand and discover on this entrepreneurial journey, there ain't no foo-foo dust. There ain't no foo-foo dust, just proven wisdom of the ages, success principles that work for anyone that goes to work and puts them into action. The bottom line is my friend Michael Penland says, action takers are the money makers. And what I want to do, I just want to kind of look back at Jesse's story and just point out a couple of the wisdom of the age of success principles he put in the action. But really, before we do, I think it's real important that you know that there's really kind of more to his story than he than you were able to hear in the, the beginning audio clip. Uh, and I got to be honest, I first discovered Jesse about six months ago when I made the conscious decision to devote all my personal education time into the crypto space. Uh, that's when I first ran across this guy. And my initial thought was he is one of the most naive entrepreneurs I've ever heard or the greatest con man on the planet. And again, I've ran across several naive entrepreneurs like Jesse over the years, but I thought this guy is so good. He's such a good communicator. He's so believable. He's got to be the, he's either the, he's either one of the most naive I've ever heard of the greatest con man on the planet. And from, you know, my observation, I, I have since discovered that he sincerely is one of the most naive entrepreneurs I've ever heard. And please don't mistake naivety with lack of intelligence. The guy's smart. He is not a dummy, I promise you. And he's a lot smarter. Uh, I've heard him in multiple interviews, and he's a lot smarter than he might come across initially. And and he may do a little of that on purpose. I don't know, and I really don't care. Do I think he has a heart to help people? I 1,000% do. Have I been wrong before? Yeah, I've been wrong. But I don't think I'm wrong with Jesse Eckel. Uh, I think he's a, an awesome, awesome young man. So, you know, he shared his personal development journey on the clip that you've just heard. And in many ways, myself and others have kind of sat back and watched him evolve over the months. Uh, I actually heard about Time Wonderland in a Medium post. And then he was one of the first crypto investors that talked about it before everybody and their brother was jumping in it. And... Thanks, Jesse. I'm in the hole about 5000 on that deal. <laughs> Not really. I am in the hole really five, about 5000 on that. But I don't blame Jesse or anybody else. Uh, I read the Medium article. I did the research. I made the decision, uh, you know, based upon the information at the, at the time that I had, and I stand by it. It's my decision. Nobody made, made me make the decision. And personal responsibility is, in my opinion, the mentality of all mature entrepreneurs. You know, they, they aren't yelling bait and switch and rug pull and all this other stuff every time something goes a little bit awry. 
But anyway, if you've not seen the video that we actually pulled the audio clip from, I'll place that link in the description. And I'm also going to set up a page over at dalecalvert.com, just kind of devoted to Jesse and his journey. Uh, I'll put that link in the description as well because uh, I think it'll be very valuable. There's a couple of other videos that you should see uh, from him. And and I think it will just help you get a real understanding of the path this young man has traveled, uh, because it it's legit. I mean, it's most of it's documented on video, but here's just a couple of things. I th- before we continue, I just want you to understand about him that he did not cover, so you kind of get a deeper understanding of where this guy's coming from. Because think about it. You know, less than two years ago, he was he was unemployed, had five kids to feed, and made the decision, I'm going to be a millionaire, and boom, went after it, went after it, and a, a year and six months later, he, he he's worth, created over one point, over one and a half million dollars in income. Think about that. Okay, think about, that's a real story, guys. It's real. And, you know, he didn't have, he didn't grow up with a silver spoon in his mouth. Him and his mom, his mom and dad were actually divorced. He grew up in an apartment, low income apartments somewhere in California. I don't remember where exactly. And I've heard him talk about rich for his family was 40,000 a year. It's like if you're, if you're making $40,000 a year, uh, in his family, that was considered wealthy. It's like you're the kingpin at the at the family reunion. You're the one everybody wants to hang out with. Uh, if you're making forty thousand dollars a year in his family, for him, he said forty thousand dollars a year growing up was just mind blowing. And I think it's real important that we all understand that's the program he grew up with. That's the program he grew up with. That's the way his mind was programmed from the authority figures in his life regarding what is rich, 40K. It's real important, guys. And he became very self-aware of that fact and realized at a level, and this is important, at a level most people will never realize, he came to realize, if I want to be successful I have to think bigger than that. I have to think bigger than what I thought my whole life. I have to think bigger. And he was working, I think, at Rite Aid or some drugstore chain and kind of reading between the lines. And I, this might not all be correct, but someone, uh, a youth group from a church or something, uh, asked him if he wanted to work at an after-school program. Uh, just hanging out with, with kids and playing ping pong and so forth. And he said, oh, that would be a cool job. And he did that. And I believe that's where he met his wife. He ended up getting married. He started a family real quickly. And he said when he you know got married, had a, had a family, he decided he had to get a real job. He couldn't work at uh, an after-school program or at a drugstore anymore. And he, he thought, well, what skills do I have? I don't have any skills. I don't have a college education. Oh, I can produce video. I'm pretty good at that. He applied, and he ended up getting a video uh, producer job. 
He said, but it was a couple hours away from where he lived, so he had a two-hour commute back and forth every single day. He kind of got old. He said uh, that he kind of was lazy and not real disciplined and didn't do a real good job getting his work done in a timely matter, matter, and he got fired. And he said it was really a wake-up call. He'd never been fired from a job before, and it was kind of a wake-up call. And then when his his dad, his dad passed, and when his dad passed, he left him an inheritance of about $100,000. And when he got this $100,000, he decided he was going to become a stock trader and and trade stocks and options and puts and so forth. And he had what I commonly called the confidence that goes with ignorance. The confidence that goes with ignorance. No education on the subject. He just heard a couple of people on YouTube and read a couple of books and decided he could do it, which has kind of been his pattern most of his adult life, as you guys have already heard, which is a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but because it's, you know, the action takers are eventually the money makers. And he just had the confidence that goes with ignorance and what I call the ready fire, 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 fire entrepreneurial DNA. And I talked about this in, I guess, story 148 of this podcast we did, I don't know, a few years ago. Because honestly, until that point when I did this podcast, probably three or four years ago, maybe two years ago, whenever I did it, it was session 148 is when I realized that those type of people even existed. I really never had come to grips with the fact that, yes, that is a entrepreneurial category those that just jump in things and fire away uh just firing and they just continue to fire and they just find new projects to fire at fire 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 entrepreneurs and that's that would describe i think i think jesse echo at the time and anyway he ended up losing all the inheritance every bit of the money lost it all and then he had to get another job and he got a job producing videos again and, and I, I believe again got fired. And again, he was talking about he really uh, just got distracted easily, was not getting his work done, same reasons. And he stumbled, he stumbled, and that's a good description, into the wedding photography business, video, video, videoing weddings at a time when that was pretty hot. He stumbled into it. When a friend that had sang at his wedding asked him to do video for his wedding. So when Jesse got married, I, I think this guy sang at his wedding and he said, Hey, will you, you do video stuff? Will you come and videotape my wedding? He said, Yes. And that led to a, to an, a completely different business at a, at a, at a time when, you know, videotaping weddings was pretty hot. And for five years, he grinded and built that business. I mean, he grinded. And he was talking about he got professional-looking uh, shirts and shoes and stuff to wear and took it very seriously and worked on referral programs, grinded, and he built it to a six-figure-a-year business, and then COVID hit. And when COVID hit, 
you heard kind of what happened, and he decided to ha- – at that point, he was living in Texas, the Fort Worth, Texas area, and decided to move back to California where he could be closer to family, his wife's family. And this is about when the clip that you heard picks up. But by that time, he had five kids. He was running out of money, as you as you guys heard. Uh, he had business expenses because I'm sure running his his – videography photo business he had autoresponders and websites and hosting and all the stuff that us entrepreneurs have that a lot of people don't understand i mean my bill is going to be fifteen hundred dollars before my month starts uh just because of the websites and and all the the tools and things that we need to operate a business and then he talks about he had rent to pay and a family to feed and he was in a pretty dark place, and it's always, it's always, you can take this to the bank. I've watched it many times, not just in my life, but in others as well, other people's life as well. It's always darkest before the dawn. Jesse's story and many others like this have helped me and my mind in, in Dale's world <laughs> In my in my world, okay, this is not scientific, but in my world, his story and, and a lot of others that I've heard and been paying more attention to lately, uh, it's helped me in my world identify the final, what I'm calling the final two entrepreneurial categories or states of mind, mindsets. And I'm really not sure what to call these final two, but I'm excited to talk with you about them. Uh to put it simply, the sixth, the sixth entrepreneurial category or state of mind or mindset, without question, and I've never talked about this, I've never said it, but the sixth, the sixth entrepreneurial category mindset is the fastest path to entrepreneurial success. Period. End of story. This is the fastest path, and it can happen by design, by by accident, or it can happen by design. Uh, but I'm really not sure what to call it yet. Many of you have heard me say over the years, uh, there have been many personal development or success concepts that I instinctively understand and know through observation or experience. And maybe some of it is in my DNA. I'm not sure about that. But regardless, until myself or others can name those concepts, they cannot be taught. You have to be, you have to name it or it has to have a name before you can teach it. So when I use terms like 27 percenter or the whirlpool or foo-foo dust, uh, the pendulum or clumsy Johnny, many of you know what I'm talking about. And you understand the success concepts behind those terms. For the same reason, you'll hear me say quotes like, over and over and over, like um, consistent effort doesn't always bring consistent results, but it always brings success. You've heard me say that a thousand times if you listen to this podcast. Consistent effort doesn't always bring consistent results, but it always brings success. And if you stop and think about it, is there any story that has proven that that you know more than Jesse Eccles? Consistent effort doesn't always produce consistent results, but it always produces success. 
So to wrap up this session, I want to kind of refresh you. And I'll, I've never done a training on this. I've talked about individual uh, stages or categories, but I've never done an actual training on the five types of entrepreneurial states or categories or mindsets, whatever you want to call them. But I'm going to cover those real fast, and then we'll wrap this part up. Number one is entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs. That's a Shark Tank. Uh, probably Mark Cuban uh, coined that phrase. Entrepreneurs. They want to be an entrepreneur, and the world, uh, the network marketing industry, and every niche out there is absolutely flooded with these people today. And over my lifetime. I've seen so many of these people come in and out of various niches. It makes my head spin. What I find more fascinating is why do people give a flying flip what this person says? Isn't it obvious they've never done what they're talking about? And I guess it's not. And I guess some people like the way they look and the way they talk, and they like looking and hearing and listening to them more than they do watching cat videos on YouTube is the only thing that I can come up with. But these type of entrepreneurs are, there's two types of entrepreneurs, and they're very distinctively different. They're on opposite ends. They're the yin and yang of the spectrum. But they both are entrepreneurs. Both these types of people are. One can be helped. One can be helped. Probably won't be, but they could be. But honestly, I don't hold out much hope for the other group. The easiest way to break down these two groups of people with what I call the entrepreneur category, or Mark Cuban does, and I stole it from him, are number one, those with an unhealthy sense of self-worth and entitlement. Number one, those with an unhealthy sense of self-worth and entitlement. And then number two would be those that lack confidence to take consistent action. Those that lack the confidence. It's a confidence issue. It's not a learning issue. It's not a systems issue. It's not not knowing what to do issue. It's not... It's not that this, you know, you can lay the systems right out in front of them, and it's like copy and paste this. If they say this, say this. If they say that, say that. And if they say something that you don't know what to how to respond, then get help. I mean, it's it's copy paste, consistent effort. Okay, but there's people that just and it, it blows my mind because they sincerely lack the confidence to take consistent action. But this group can be helped because it is a programming situation. It can be helped. But the spoiled, rotten, entitlement brats, I don't hold out much hope for. And let's talk about entrepreneurs that are going to be difficult to help and Someday that, you know, these people that, you know, they, they may someday decide to enter the real world and provide value, but they probably won't. They probably won't. They're just not going to spoil brat kids for the most part. And these people with unhealthy sense of entitlement and self image, uh, you know, I'm talking about these people that they're, they're 22 years old and they call themselves, I'm a life coach. I'm a business consultant. I'm an attraction marketing specialist and others 
others, not just the young crowd, but others who are teaching to teaching you how to do that which they've never done. These people don't have to be in their 20s. There's plenty of them in their 30s, their 40s, and their 50s uh, that fall into the same category. Uh, those that, mis- you know, there's they, they get all upset. They mistake a negative comment some, uh, somebody made on their social media post. is like, that's a real-world scar on me. And, and they don't even understand it's just part of life. They've never grinded a day in their life. Yet they're trying to teach you to do that which they've never done. And, and, and I'm talking about, maybe I'm picking on the younger crowd a little bit, but golly, there's, it's the same goes. There's a lot of older people as well. And here's something I've never said before either, but this is worth some thought. It's really worth some thought. It's, it's, it's another scary group of people that didn't even exist 10, 15 years ago. And think about this. One of my best quotes and my middle daughter Channing, who is a clinical psychologist, she says it's too, it's too rude to say this in public. And I, and we had a debate about it. And I said, but Channing, is it true or is it not true? She says, Oh, it's true, but you just shouldn't say it. And that is knowledge without action leads to self delusion. Knowledge without action leads to self-delusion. And I'm going to tweak your brain here for a second, for those of you that are really listening. But there's a group of people, many of them, 30s, 40s, 50s, have been around the network marketing profession or the entrepreneurial world for years. And they are programmed for success, but they've never reached it. They're programmed for success. They can quote Jim Rohn with the best of them. They can quote Jim Rohn with the best of them. Uh, don't ask them. You know, you can. All you have to do is say, you can. And they will repeat. You can have anything in life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. Zig Ziglar. They, they're programmed. They're programmed for success but never reached it. Why? Because knowledge without action leads to self-delusion. And see, that's a whole nother category of people that are now starting to pop up, and it can only pop up after 10, 15 years. Could it be as evident as it is now? But it's really evident to me that there are people out there that have listened to everything, know everything, get everything, but have never figured out how to make themselves consistently take action. It's scary. But those people, I believe, can be helped. Uh, and but then you know most 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 of the most of the people I'm talking about in this category the entrepreneurs, you know the 22 year old life coaches. I mean they love to talk the talk, and many of them are great at communicating. They're great at talking, but they've never walked a walk. And honestly, when when I started my journey, I probably would put myself in the entrepreneur category. I was somebody who lacked the confidence to take consistent action. And I think maybe it was my age. I really don't know. But I think this is probably why I have a special place in my heart for so many people that have been interested in the network marketing industry or other business models over the years and just have never really had the confidence to work at it consistently. Uh, I understand what the power of one win, just one win, could mean for them. And it just drives me 
yeah, it just breaks my heart sometimes because I think there for the grace of God go I. I mean, really. I mean, I know what it is to have trouble getting yourself into a consistent rhythm and routine and fighting the ups and downs of life and being a young dad and all that. And y'all heard me talk about it. I had to put my 20 reasons sheet on my TV set so I wouldn't escape into the TV every night when I got home from my JLB. But again, I, I sincerely, you know, I, I just sit back and I, I think about when I stopped at my Aunt Ginger's after buying my distributor kit and $300 worth of products that first day, 20-year-old snot-nosed kid with Shackley and, you know, knocking on her door with my Shackley catalog, asking her if she would buy something from me. And the fact that she didn't buy something and the 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 encouragement that that gave me and then going home and and browbeating my parents into giving me $25 for a distributor kit so I could sign somebody up as a distributor and they signed up and and I got their kit ordered and then they casually mentioned it at a lady at church who mentioned it to another lady who had been an Avon lady and uh, she absolutely was ignorance on fire uh, she absolutely was a bull in China closet and she went out and she started selling products like crazy. And if that series of events hadn't happened the way it happened, I don't know if I would ever, if I would be talking to you today on this podcast, I probably wouldn't be. You know, as Bob Chris told us, bless his soul, Bob died this year, but as Bob Chris told us, you know, most network markers quit within the first 72 hours. They quit emotionally, psychologically, mentally. They quit. If my Aunt Ginger hadn't bought from me and I went home and my parents refused to to buy a distributor kit, then that might have been the end of Dale Calvert's network marketing career. And I so appreciate those that didn't have initial success but who have hung in this profession or in any entrepreneurial uh, endeavor over the years. I appreciate them. I respect them. As, as people and as human beings, but I also understand that many of them, especially in network marketing, will quickly fall into what I, you know, just the MLM junkie crowd, the social club, uh, never achieving what they could have if they'd only been exposed to the right leadership, the right team culture, and the right opportunity at the right time in history. And I know that. I know that. I've seen it way too many times. So, the ready, the so the, the first group category is the entrepreneurs, and again, there's two parts, there's two types: those with confidence, and those that are overconfident. And then the number two category of entrepreneurs is what I call the ready, fire, aim entrepreneurs. And note, I didn't say ready, aim, fire. I said ready, fire, aim. And I'm talking about people that make emotional decisions and then after the fact tend to try to find, try to find facts to support those decisions. And I'm, I'm constantly amazed at people that can't just say, you know what? Uh, I made a bad decision. I didn't look at all the facts and I'm making a pivot. They, they will hang in there and defeat and defend. Uh, their decisions over and over and over to their detriment. They'll just cut off their nose to spite their face. I mean, I'm talking with a guy right now, right now. Um, he joined us with iHub Global when it was free. He put over a hundred people in the program. And then when they had to make the 
adjustment, which we're all, all us entrepreneurs are glad they did because if somebody doesn't have a skin in the game, uh, they aren't going to do anything. And that was proven based upon the fact that about 35% of the people weren't even plugging in their boxes. Uh, so they knew they had to put skin in the game. They knew they needed to bring in outside money and entrepreneurial funding group to support the massive growth that was happening. And it's like, okay, it was free. Now it's not free. Now there's a $99 application fee and it's $18 a month lease, $18 a month lease. So what's that's, it went from free to $99 and $18 a month lease. Bait and switch, bait and switch, bait and switch, bait and switch. I mean, it was like, are you freaking kidding me? Take a breath. Look at the facts. Do you want this to be a long-term upside opportunity or not? They, they, they got to get more funding in here to get more boxes made because this, it, this is a, this is a land grab. There's only going to be X number of boxes in the United States. Then this is over. But, but this guy, he had put a hundred people in. And just screaming to high heavens, bait and switch when they had to make an adjustment. It didn't even affect me, honestly. It affected quite a bit of our people and probably this guy more than anybody. You know what the dude's doing today? Say, Dale, what is the number one long-term scam in network marketing today? I wrote an article about this a year, year and a half ago at TrueMLMReviews.com. They've been launching, this company has been launching for three years. They still don't have the product. They still don't have the product. They've been launching for three years. They've been selling Founders Club memberships for three years. And that's the program this guy goes into. The guy that's yelling at me, bait and switch, a a year ago or six months ago. People blow my mind sometimes. They just blow my mind. What are you thinking? Of course, I'm talking about on passive. Many of you know that. And even if they do come out with their suite of products, their autoresponders and their, you know, their, their Google analysis tool and all these other web based, uh, protocols for people that are building out websites and online businesses. Even if it's ever brought to the market, which it's, I'll be shocked if it ever is. I mean, they're opening all these new offices and they're doing all this. There's video all over the internet. It's, it's a we, it's a we work facility. It's not their building. I mean, they've just lied, blatantly lied to people, blatantly. How can you get in bed with somebody when you know you from their from their mouth they've blatantly lied not once not twice not that they thought something and something else happened not that it was an honest mistake that they have just blatantly lied to people and they've been in pre-launch for 3 years signing up new you can be a founders member well I could have been a founders member 3 years ago what are you going to found nothing's even been found yet it blows my mind guys it blows my mind it just it just it just blows my mind people that you think are somewhat intelligent it just kind of blows my mind what are they possibly thinking and and you know but 
again, ready, fire, aim entrepreneurs. They make lousy decisions and spend the rest of however long they're in that business until that business totally fails and is gone trying to justify their bad decisions. Ready, fire, aim entrepreneurs. The third part is ready, aim, fire. Uh, I believe most of my career, especially during most of my coasting years, I was a ready, aim, fire entrepreneur. You know, if I saw a product or service, legal, ethical, and moral, uh, and I could promote on one of my niche websites, and if I tried the product and it seemed quality and did what it said it would do, then I would ready, fire, aim. Ready, fire, aim. And I think that's a real good, solid entrepreneurial mentality. Ready, fire, aim. Number four. Again, I didn't even know this exists, but it does. And I didn't even know it till a few years ago. But ready, fire, 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 and fire again, entrepreneurs. I think I've already mentioned that. Uh, I like to think that since I decided to reenter the network marketing industry a couple of years ago and build a team, I've become a Category 5 entrepreneur, which I call mature entrepreneurs. Uh, they investigate, eliminate, investigate, eliminate, investigate, eliminate. That's what I, I do. I've been investigate, eliminating, investigate, eliminating for many years now. And it's real easy to eliminate. The longer you've been in the game, the quicker it is to eliminate. You see the red flags much, much, much quicker. Not all the time, but most of the time. And I, I also understand it doesn't matter if I like it or not. It doesn't matter if it appeals to Dale. All that matters is the market. Does the the market like it? You know, I may think this is hokey and stupid, but if the market loves it and I have a place to get it in front of people that are going to love it, then that makes sense to me. And the thing that I have to do when looking at any type of business or opportunity is investigate the learning curve. The time is going to be necessary, be spent, compared to the upside income potential or the rewards. And back in 2017, when I first bought Bitcoin and Ethereum, uh, I tried to get into that world, uh, but the learning curve was off the charts. It was like I was trying to learn Chinese. Uh, it was very, very, very difficult for me. And I had other responsibilities. At the time, I was uh, corporate uh, doing two events a month for one company. I was a, a corporate consultant and trainer for another company, and I had too much obligation, and and I did not have the time to dig in, buckle down, and say, hey, Dale, you're going to learn this because it is the future, even though at that time I felt like it was probably the future of, of finance. Today, I would say that how can it not be the future of finance? Okay, so my mindset has changed, but that's just kind of the way I do it. And and, and if I decide to do anything, then I look at it. I tr- if I can't eliminate it, and and if I'm going to participate, then I plan and then I launch. So it's investigate, plan, launch, and then understanding that leaders pivot. Based upon the time and the upside potential, leaders will pivot. Based upon, well, if I can put less time and have more upside potential with this, because everything comes down to time as an entrepreneur. Over time, everything is about time. 
It's like I can put my there's there's thousands of projects I can put my time into, but where am I going to put my time? And and we have to be smart enough to understand, hey, this was really good two years ago, but the facts surrounding this has changed now. It's changed when I start from where I where it was when I started. So maybe it's the t- maybe it's just time to make a pivot. And see, real entrepreneurs pivot. They real entrepreneurs protect their time, understand their time, understand how what the learning curve is going to be. See, most newbie entrepreneurs they get in and they think they're going to do it with the skill sets and mindsets that they enter the profession with. Especially in network marketing, they go out into the marketplace with no new skill sets, no new mindsets. They talk to a few people, they say "boo," and in seventy-two hours they're gone. As Bob Chris told us. Why? Because we allow that. It, 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 it blows my mind, guys, to come into a business that offers multi-million dollar opportunities that at least a chance for financial independence and to think you're going to do it with the skill sets and mindsets that you enter the profession with. It's nuts. It's like, okay, I got an office now. I got my dental chair and my dental school, my dental tools. I don't have any formal training or, 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 you know, I don't have any skill sets, but come on, sit down. Let me pull your tooth, Uncle Joe. And we, te- most network marketers treat Uncle Joe like they would in a, like somebody, an unskilled dentist trying to pull Uncle Joe's teeth. It's, it's ridiculous. The amount of untrained, terribly trained are people that are are provided the training and don't and think they don't need it. They don't get plugged into it. It blows my mind. It blows my mind. So new skill sets and op, new skill sets and mindsets are required. And then once you, so you have to you have to look at that compared to any opportunity that you're looking at. And when you have to pivot, you make the pivot. Pros make the pivot. Most network marketers don't. Most network marketers, they just don't. They don't treat business like a business. I don't know what they treat it like, but it's not a business. For most, they don't even treat it as nice and and as with much respect as they would a hobby. And hobbies are supposed to cost you money. So what was Jesse's pivot? What was Jesse's pivot? Think about it. Why Why was Jesse able to go from where he was... To 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 million dollar plus status. Why why did that happen? Because he decided to make a pivot. He decided to do away with his land investing deals, and he said all of his Google accounts that he was supporting, except for one. And if you ask him today, he would probably tell you that he wish that he had taken his planners. And sold them to a liquidator. He decided in the beginning, I'm going to steal. I put a lot of time, energy, and effort in this, so I'm not giving it up. Man, that is always the wrong attitude. Let me say that again. I put a lot of time, energy, and effort in this, so I'm not going to give it up. That's always, always the wrong attitude. If the horse is dead, get off it. The planner was dead, my friend. Jesse's planner his planner project, he spent a lot of time, energy, effort, money, communications with China. Guys, I've been down that road. And then he gets them in, and what did he say? He ended up making a couple hundred bucks. That was his words, a couple hundred bucks. He would probably tell you today that the best thing he could have done was sold the planner to the liquidator, let the liquidator give him a hundred, hundred couple, hundred 
couple hundred dollars, couple hundred, couple hundred dollars, and then just you know be done with it and not even have to think about it. But he made the pivot. He made the pivot. Uh, real entrepreneurs pivot. Very few successful network marketers ever do. So I would ask you, what category do you fall into when we talked about these entrepreneurial categories? Are you a entrepreneur? You're probably not. You wouldn't last on this podcast very long. Are you a ready, fire, aim entrepreneur? You could be. Are you a ready, aim, fire entrepreneur? Are you a ready, fire, 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 fire again entrepreneur? Are you a mature mature entrepreneur? I like to think of myself as being a mature entrepreneur but I've accepted that there are actually two more higher categories of entrepreneur mindsets or states. There is. There is. And and it took me a while to accept that. And I knew that possibly there was one other, and now I realize there's two other. So Jesse Eckel landed into stage six of being an entrepreneur by accident. And he may not even realize it yet today. He may not. In fact, I really don't think he does. I think he will. I know he will over time. But because he's got the smarts to understand when he goes back and and looks at his journey, you know, down the road. And I've decided to call this category jet fuel entrepreneurs, jet fuel entrepreneurs. Unfortunately, very few people listening to this podcast have the opportunity to actually fall into this category. You can only do it once. You can't do it twice. So most people listening to this will never fall into the jet fuel entrepreneur category, but I believe we all I, I believe we that we can all, all of us, myself included, get there by design. Get there by design. We'll never fall into it accidentally because we're too far down this path, too far down this road. But I believe we can get there by design and maybe even get to the seventh and final level that I never, ever thought about really into preparing for this session, which I'm just simply calling the whale entrepreneur, the jet fuel entrepreneur and the whale entrepreneur. In my mind, I I might be just entertaining myself here, but in my mind, they're very interesting names. Uh, At least they are in Dale's world. If they sound interesting to you, then you probably want to subscribe to this podcast. If you're listening on YouTube, you probably want to subscribe to this YouTube channel and turn on uh, the bell notifi- notification so you'll be noticed, uh, notified next week uh, if you're a subscriber to the podcast or to the YouTube audio. You'll be notified next week when I talk about these two categories of entrepreneurs, the jet fuel entrepreneur and the whale entrepreneur. This is Dale Calvert. Thanks for listening. I look forward to continuing this conversation on next week's session of the MLM Success Podcast. If you haven't gone over to iTunes yet and rated and left this podcast a review, what are you waiting for? 
At Calvert Marketing Group, we want to spend our time on the projects that we know are providing the most value for our clients and customers. You leaving us a review and feedback on iTunes is something that helps us more than you realize. And more importantly, it helps others like you find us. So if you've not taken the time to rate this podcast, please go over to iTunes and do that for us now. It will only take a couple of minutes out of your busy schedule. Work harder on yourself than you do on your business, and we will be back next week with another inspiring success story, wisdom of the ages training, or answers to your questions.